raise this question because when you look in the Old Testament and when you look in the New Testament, you see that there were individuals, other individuals, that had been risen from the grave. I invite you to open up your Bible and look in the Old Testament in 1 Kings chapter 17. Here's what I want to do. I want to share with you a number of passages as we think about what is it that makes the resurrection of Jesus so unique. I want to share some passages with you where we see other individuals who were raised from the grave. Our first text will show us Elijah. He was a great prophet of God, and he was able to raise a widow's son from the dead. In 1 Kings chapter 17 and verse 21, the Bible says that Elijah, he stretched himself upon the child three times and called to the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, I pray you, let this life's child, child's life return to him. The Lord heard the voice of Elijah and the life of the child returned to him and he revived. All of these stories are amazing stories. Somebody is coming back from the dead. Elijah was able to do this, and Elisha. Look over uh, in 2 Kings. Elisha was able to raise a boy back from the dead as well. 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4, and I want you to notice what we find here, beginning in verse number 32. The Bible says in 2 Kings 4 and verse 32, When Elisha came into the house, behold, the lad was dead and laid on his bed. So he entered and shut the door behind them both and prayed to the Lord. And he went up and lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth and his eyes on his eyes and his hands on his hands. And he stretched himself on him and the flesh of the child became warm. Then he returned and walked in the house once back and forth and went up and stretched himself on him. And the lad sneezed seven times and the lad opened up his eyes. He called Gehazi and said, call this Shunammite. So he called her and when she came into him, he said, Take up your son. That's an amazing story. And there's another amazing story a couple of chapters later. Look over in 2 Kings chapter 13. And 2 Kings chapter 13, I want you to notice in verse 20 and 21. Here we find Elisha had died. But watch what happened in verse number 20. 2 Kings 13 and verse number 20. Elisha died and they buried him. Now the bands of the Moabites would invade the land in the spring of the year. As they were burying a man, behold, they saw a marauding band and they cast the man into the grave of Elisha. Now watch this. And when the man touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood up on his feet. What's happening there? That's a great question. I don't know. What I do know is that this dead man was thrown in the tomb of Elisha and he came back to life. That's what the Bible says. And therefore we believe it. Now there's examples in the new Testament. And again, I'm showing you these examples because I want to ask the question and I want you to be able to answer the question. If somebody were to ask you, what makes the resurrection of Jesus so unique? Look over in Luke chapter seven and Luke chapter seven, we find Jesus in the city of Nain in Luke chapter seven, uh, a woman, a widow had lost her son. In Luke chapter 7, in verse number 11, the Bible says this. Soon afterwards, he went to a city called Nain, and his disciples were going along with him, accompanied by a large crowd. Now, as he approached the gate of the city, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a sizable crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he felt compassion for her and said to her, Do not weep. And he came up and touched the coffin, and the bearers came to a halt. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. The dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. Fear gripped them all. And they began glorifying God, saying, a great prophet 
has risen among us. That had to be an amazing funeral to see this man who was in the coffin. Now he is alive. And so we see another example where Jesus raised the widow's son. Jesus, as we just got done singing in the song, would also raise Lazarus. We read about this in John chapter 11. Look over in John chapter 11 in verses 43, 44, and 45. John chapter 11, beginning in verse number 43, listen to what the Bible says here. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus had been dead already, obviously. The man who had died came forth, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. Jesus said to him, Unbind him and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what he had done believed in him. That's the natural response when you see someone who's been buried come back to life. Yet there's other examples and other examples that are hard for me to explain. One, after the death of Jesus, there were some who came back to life. Do you remember this in the Gospel of Matthew? Look over in Matthew chapter 27. Again, it's another fascinating account here in Matthew chapter 27. And look at verse number 52 and verse number 53. The Bible says in Matthew 27, verse 52 and 53, the Bible says the tombs were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep, the idea that they had died, were raised. And coming up out of the tombs after his resurrection, they entered the holy city and appeared to many. So after the resurrection of Jesus, there were some saints that were raised from their tombs. So again, we find many examples here of individuals who came back to life, who were raised from the dead. We don't have time, but I could talk to you about uh, Dorcas in Acts chapter 9. It was Peter who would raise her back to life. What about Eutychus in Acts chapter 20? I think he died when he fell from that window. Paul got a little maybe long-winded in his sermon, and he, he fell asleep, and he died. Paul would raise him back up. All of these are very important for us. And clearly, we've got to talk about the resurrection of Jesus. Look over in John chapter 20. In John chapter 20, and I want you to notice what John said in verse 1. All the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, speak about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. In John chapter 20 and verse 1, John said, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark and saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. So she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter and the other disciple went forth, and they were going to the tomb. The two were running together, and the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. And stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. And so Simon Peter also came following him and entered the tomb, and he saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the face cloth which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. So the other disciple who had first come to the tomb then also entered, and he saw and believed. So we know that Jesus was also raised from the grave. We sing songs about the resurrection of Jesus. We have sermons about the resurrection of Jesus. And my prayer is that we never become kind of complacent, or I've already heard this about the resurrection. In the first century, the apostles over and over and over again proclaimed the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Wherever they went, whatever city they went to, this is what they were preaching. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And so my question to you this morning, what is it that makes the resurrection of Jesus so unique? We've seen others who were risen from the grave. What makes the resurrection of Jesus so unique? This is important for our faith. 
and hopefully to share with others. Let me give you a couple of answers. I want to begin by first saying that Jesus predicted his death and resurrection and it came to pass. I'm looking at John chapter 2. This is exactly what Jesus did in John chapter 2. John chapter 2 beginning in verse number 19. Listen to what Jesus said here. In John chapter 2 and verse number 19, Jesus said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said it took 46 years to build this temple and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. So when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he said this and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had spoken. So one of the things that makes his resurrection unique is that Jesus predicted his death, burial, and his resurrection. We looked at other stories of people who died and then came back to life, but none of them predicted when they were going to die, and certainly none of them predicted that they would also be raised from the grave. So that makes the resurrection of Jesus very unique. And something to think about here, too, when you think about what Jesus did and said here, people can make claims all the time. People make big claims today, but it's not enough just to say something. You have to be able to back it up. And that's exactly what Jesus would do. In John chapter 10 and verse number 17 and 18, John chapter 10, verse 17 and 18, Jesus would speak about laying down his life. In verse number 17, he said, for this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life so that I may take it again. No one has taken it from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down. And I have authority to take it up again, this commandment I received from my Father. So we need to be impressed with the confidence and what Jesus was saying. I'm going to lay down my life, and no one's taking it from me. I'm doing this, and I also have the power to, to rise again from the grave. And so this is one thing that makes the resurrection of Jesus very unique. A second point to consider is that the prophets predicted that Jesus would also rise from the grave. I'm looking over in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. One of my favorite verses here, and I, I talk about this quite a bit, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, as Paul was writing to the saints in Corinth, he would remind them that the resurrection of Jesus is of first importance. First importance in 1 Corinthians 15. Listen to what he said in verse 3. For I deliver to you as of first importance... What I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, which means that Old Testament prophets had spoken of the fact that Jesus would die, that he would die for the sins of the world. He said that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures and that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. So Pete or Paul is making it clear that the prophets of old had spoken of the fact that Jesus as Messiah would die, would be buried, and would be raised from the grave. Now, if you were here at 9 o'clock, we looked at Acts chapter 2. You turn back and look over in Acts chapter 2. We find Peter was quoting from a prophet in the Old Testament, King David. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 25, notice what David said of Jesus. He said, I saw the Lord always in my presence, for he is at my right hand, so that I would not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue exalted. Moreover, my flesh also will live in hope because you will not abandon my soul to Hades nor allow your Holy One to undergo decay. What David was saying here was pointing to the Messiah. It was pointing to the fact that he would be raised from the grave, the Messiah. And that's why he said in verse number 30, and so because he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants on his throne, he looked ahead and spoke 
of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was neither abandoned to Hades nor did his flesh suffer decay. And so I'm reading all of this because I want you to see that the prophets in the Old Testament predicted that Jesus would not only die, but he would also be risen from the grave. There are other examples as well, Isaiah chapter 53. We look at Isaiah chapter 53, and certainly we see the suffering servant. We see Jesus and the fact that he was going to die for our sins. And we also see, when you read Isaiah 53, the fact that he would be buried and risen from the grave. This makes the resurrection of Jesus unique, because the examples that I showed you in the New Testament with Tabitha, or Eutychus, or the widow's son in Luke chapter 7, or Lazarus, those had not been predicted by the prophets, but the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus had been predicted by the prophets. A third reason as to why his resurrection is unique is that Jesus rose from the grave never to die again. While other men and women were resurrected from the grave, they eventually would die again. They're not still alive today. If they were, then they'd be really famous, all right? But they're not alive today. They eventually would die again. But that is not the case, my friend, and this is good news. This is reason for us to celebrate and to be excited. Jesus died, and he was risen from the grave, never to die again. That is so important for us. In Romans chapter 6, I'm loving our study in the book of Romans, and I hope you are as well. Paul is going to make this point in Romans chapter 6. In Romans chapter 6 and verse number 9, he said, and let's look at verse number 8. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we should also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. So Jesus died. Yes, he died, and he was buried, and he arose from the grave on the first day of the week, never to die again. That's, the, that's what the, the New Testament writers proclaimed. Look at Acts chapter 1. We know what happened to Jesus after he was risen from the grave. In Acts chapter 1, uh, an angel, or two men, two angels, began speaking to the apostles in Acts chapter 1. And look at verse number 9. In Acts chapter 1 and verse number 9, the Bible says, And after he had said these things, this was Jesus speaking to the, to, to the apostles, he was lifted up while they were looking on, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going, behold, two men in white clothing, I think those were angels, stood beside them. They also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus, who's been taken up from you into heaven, will come in just the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. Jesus, after his resurrection, will never die again. He ascended into heaven. He's reigning at the right hand of God at this very moment. Lazarus rose from the grave, but he eventually died again. Dorcas rose from the grave, but she eventually died again. Those sons in the Old Testament, they rose from the grave, but they eventually would die again. Jesus makes this point in Revelation chapter 1. Look at Revelation chapter 1. I want you to notice what Jesus says here in verse number 17 and verse number 18. Revelation chapter 1, verse 17 and verse number 18. The Bible says here, When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. John speaking here, and he placed his right hand on me saying, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one. I was dead and behold, I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and of Hades. Death was not able to keep him down. And after he had risen from the grave, Jesus would never die again. It's interesting how this is, this is emphasized all throughout the New Testament, And what we see here is a very important point as to what makes the resurrection of Jesus unique. Let me give you another reason why. It declared Jesus to be the Son of God. 
We can't miss this point here that the resurrection has power. And yes, there's great benefits for us because Jesus has risen from the grave, but it's proof positive that Jesus indeed is the Son of God. The gospel of Jesus Christ, that's what Romans is all about, the power of God and the salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And Paul would emphasize the gospel of God in Romans chapter 1. He said, Paul, a bondservant in verse 1 of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets and the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh. Paul was just reminding the saints that Jesus had been spoken about by the prophets of old and that he would be born a descendant of David. He would come from the proper lineage when it came to the Messiah, who was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. According to the spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so the resurrection of Jesus pronounced him that indeed he is the son of God. That was a miracle that took place with him being raised from the grave. Now, it is important for us to understand that the other events that we saw, the other uh, individuals that were raised from the grave, those things were miraculous in nature as well. But none of those individuals, when they were raised from the grave, the fact that they were risen, none of that demonstrated that they were deity. None of that demonstrated that they were the son of God. But the resurrection of Jesus, as Paul said in Romans chapter 1 and verse 4, declared him, declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead, according to the spirit of holiness, Jesus our Lord. And so the resurrection of Jesus is unique. Yes, it is something that took place, and yes, we may know a lot about it. And there were other examples of individuals who were raised from the grave. But these are some reasons as to why his resurrection indeed is unique. Now, we can't stop there. The question becomes, how important is the resurrection of Jesus to you and to me? As we think about the resurrection of Jesus, how important really is the resurrection to us? We have this story, this account of what happened with Jesus for a reason. The resurrection of Jesus should drastically impact our lives for the better. It should change every aspect of our lives. It should be something that we're thinking about on a regular basis. And while it's great to know these facts and maybe even teach people about these facts, our lives must be changed for the better. Do you believe that? The resurrection is what the apostles proclaimed everywhere they went. When Paul went into a new synagogue, he would proclaim Jesus as Lord, and he would, he would talk about the resurrection of Jesus from the grave. He would be mocked at times talking about the resurrection. But everywhere he went, this is what he was proclaiming. And what I'm saying is the resurrection of Jesus should change our lives. Can I show you a couple of examples? Look at Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 37, the resurrection of Jesus changed thousands of lives. Peter, on the day of Pentecost, when he was proclaiming the gospel message, he spoke about the miracles of Jesus and the fact that he is risen. To the point in verse 37, the Bible says, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? That's impact. That's power right there. And that was because of the message of Jesus being both Lord and Christ, risen from the grave. Can I show you another example? Look over in Acts chapter 19. I want you to notice just how impactful the resurrection of Jesus really was. In Acts chapter 19, and notice in verse number 17, Acts chapter 19 and verse number 17, 
or actually look, look at verse number 18 and 19. Acts 19 and verse 18 and 19. This is a great example uh, when Paul was in Ephesus. And the Bible says many also of those who had believed kept coming, confessing and disclosing their practices. And many of those who practiced magic brought their books together and began burning them in the sight of everyone. And they counted up the price of them and founded 50,000 pieces of silver. We talked about the prayer that is never found in the word of God, the sinner's prayer. We talked about that at nine o'clock. A lot of people push and promote that prayer never found in the word of God. You know, a lot of people don't talk a lot about repentance. And this is what we find in the scriptures. They believed the resurrection of Jesus and were willing to leave behind that former life to the point where they were burning their magic books and they counted up the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver, which means they weren't just going to continue on as if nothing had changed. Everything had changed because they realized Jesus now is raised from the grave. And now that meant there would have to be some changes in their lives. You see, the resurrection of Jesus, understanding who Jesus is and what he has done and what he has accomplished, it should change our lives. As Paul said, it should be of first importance. We already saw that text in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now, many of us have been taught about the resurrection, maybe from a young age, and that's excellent. That is good, and that's something that we need to make sure that we continue to hold on to. But let's always be sure, do we really believe that Jesus died on the cross, buried in the grave, and rose from the grave on the first day of the week? Do we really believe that? You see, if we really believe this, then this is going to be evident in our lives. It will have to become evident in our lives. And God has given us the evidence for us to know that it is true. To all the young people here, I want you to know the tomb is still empty. And as you go throughout life, you need to remember the tomb of Jesus is still empty. Jesus is risen from the grave. And this is the message that the, the Christians proclaimed all throughout the first century. And the fact of this, this is not myth. This is not something made up. This is not something the church has made up. This is fact. And we have evidence. We had 500 witnesses, 500 people who saw him alive. And many of them were still alive in the days of Paul as he wrote the church in Corinth. He interacted with his apostles after his resurrection. What we are talking about here is not something we're just making up. It's not a fantasy. It's not a movie or anything like that. This really happened. Jesus lives. He is reigning in heaven. And because of the resurrection of Jesus, my friends, our relationship with him should be of first importance. Do you agree with that? He's got to come first, which means that we have to count the cost, which means that his resurrection should influence everything in our lives. His, what he has done, the relationship that we have with him has to be first. Not before our boyfriend or girlfriend or best friend or husband or wife. Jesus must come first. And there are some consequences at time when we truly understand this. That if we truly believe with our heart that he was raised from the grave, it's going to have a huge dramatic impact on our lives. It should change our thinking and everything with how we view life. What is it that really matters in life? There are many people today, January, what's today's date? The 20th or the 21st? I can't even remember. Is it the 21st? Many people today, it's the 20th. Tomorrow's the 21st. Many people today are trying to figure out where they're going in 2019, trying to figure out what path they're going to be on, trying to find that missing piece that may be in their life. And what many people need to understand is that Jesus is the missing piece. He's the one that we all really need, and he's the one that really should be 
of first importance and matter the most for us in our lives. What really matters in life is not politics. It's not about who's in Congress or the Senate. It's not about politics. What matters in life is not about social media. What matters in life is not about how popular you may be at a camp later on this year. What matters in life is not about how far you may succeed in sports or how far your children may succeed in sports. What matters in life is not about whether you're single or not or whether or not you have a boyfriend or girlfriend. What matters in life is what Jesus has done. The fact that he is risen from the grave, the fact that he demands to be first in our lives, and the fact that we can be confident in everything that he gives us and says to us in the word of God. You see, that's what the message was all throughout the first century. Jesus Christ raised from the grave. What really matters is that God became flesh and lived on earth to save you and me from our sins. In John chapter 1 and verse number 1, that's how John began his, his letter, his gospel. In John chapter 1 and verse number 1, listen to what John says here. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And verse number 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. My friend, that is amazing. That is what really matters. The fact that God loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us so that we can be with him one day. You know what else really matters? Realizing that we can be confident that one day God will return or Jesus will return. That one day there will be a judgment day. Do we believe that? You know, one of the things that's hard to really come to terms with is that one day we're going to die. And we have to face death. We will die one day unless we are still alive when Jesus returns. I want you to see what Paul said in Acts chapter 17. In Acts chapter 17, I want you to notice when he was in Athens and, and Paul, you know, wherever he went, this is what he proclaimed. And I want you to see how he spoke about the resurrection of Jesus and why the resurrection of Jesus matters so much. In Acts chapter 17 and verse number 30, Paul said, Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed having furnished proof to all men. By raising him from the dead. You see, by the resurrection, we know that indeed he is the son of God. We know that one day all men will stand before God. This is what should really matter to us. Making sure that we are right with God. Because one day we will stand before him. The truth is, the resurrection of Jesus should impact every decision we make. It should impact what we wear. It should impact where we go. It should impact how we speak and even how we view our lives. The fact that we measure our life or by this time, our time by the life of Jesus is powerful. And his life should affect how we spend the rest of our time in this world. The resurrection of Jesus. It should be so important that it motivates us to draw even closer to him. And I wonder if we talk about the resurrection of Jesus enough. Because everywhere the apostles went, this is what they were proclaiming. It should be so important that you will desire to be a servant for him. 
That's what Paul is arguing in Romans chapter 6, that we become slaves of righteousness. Those who have already put on Christ in baptism, we have risen to walk in newness of life. Think about the resurrection of Jesus. Dead people don't come back to life. And yet Jesus, he came back to life, never to die again, declaring him to be the son of God. This is why the resurrection of Jesus should be amazing, because he is still reigning in heaven. He is alive. And the question for all of us this morning, are we going to serve him? Making sure that we are serving him should be the most important journey that we make. The resurrection of Jesus should be of first importance and it should impact every area of our lives. I want to conclude here. We're going to sing a song of invitation here in just a moment. I want to conclude with one last passage. And I want you to really think about this. Look at John chapter 5. In John chapter 5, and I want you to listen to the words of Jesus in verse 28 and 29. John chapter 5, verse 28 and 29. Listen to what Jesus said. In John chapter 5, verse 28 and 29. Jesus said, do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and will come forth. Those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life. Those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of of judgment. What an amazing passage. What's he saying here? That one day, all of us, while we will have died, we will be raised. And look at what he said. Those who did the good deeds to a resurrection of life and those who committed the evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. We will all be raised from the grave one day, but where are we going to spend eternity? The choice is ours. Jesus has died. He has risen from the grave. He's given us opportunity for eternal life. And we get to choose. We get to decide whether or not we're going to hear his voice today and respond with obedience. Do you need to be saved? Do you need to put on Christ in baptism? Do you believe that Jesus is the son of God? Do you believe that he was risen from the grave? Are you willing to turn away from your sins? Are you willing to be baptized, immersed in water? That's what the Bible says for the forgiveness of your sins. If you're willing to do that, we'll save you. You can be saved today by the blood of Jesus. We'll baptize you today. We're not in a hurry to leave. I'm not in a hurry to leave. I wish you could stay here a little bit longer. We're going to wrap this up. But if you need to be saved, you let us know. And if you are already saved, don't ever take for granted the resurrection of Jesus. Don't be ashamed of the resurrection of Jesus. Remember that he is alive, that he is reigning. And because he has risen from the grave, that that should change how you live and how you view the world. If you're subject to the invitation, come now as we stand and as we sing.